All right, on three. One, two. Okay, that was better. <laughs> but yeah, I wonder if we'll ever get an R-rated. Daniel, I, I know you, you don't think it does, but that <laughs> will it, line up. Does that line up? That lines okay, up. Okay, because I was hearing you clap, and then about three seconds later, Luke clapped. And I'm like, how does that ever sync up for you guys? It does, though. It really okay, okay, does. Okay, I'll buy it. Yeah. I'll buy it. Welcome everyone to the Star Wars Historians here on the Gazebo Effect podcast. We are continuing our rewatch series with the second anthology film in the timeline, but actually the first one that came out in 2016. I'm joined, like always, with my good friend Luke Fornay. <laughs> Dear God. <laughs> and I buy that. You guys know that that is not me, but returning with us for the second time in three episodes is my twin brother, Daniel. Daniel, it's good to have you back on the podcast as probably one of the most frequent guests we've ever had. So we appreciate you being on. Yeah, I didn't think I would get the call to return so quickly. Um, <laughs> you, know, you know, after we did episode we didn't think three, we would I give thought you the it would call be a while to return. Exactly. I thought it would be a while before I would get to come on, but you know, I'm glad to be here. Yeah. Uh, and it was a text really that I sent you. I didn't call you. Um, I, I, even view, then. I view it as a call. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. But Rogue One is what we're talking about here today. Yep. Man, what, what a, what a good movie. And Luke, um, what you had told me before when we were talking through like star Wars films is that whenever we would watch them again, like that would instantly become my favorite in the moment. Mm. Um, it wasn't, it wasn't exactly that, but I do, I do feel like I, I enjoy it. I enjoyed it the most this past time from, from watching it. What do you, what do you, what, what about you? Um, I kind of, I think there was something about whenever I walked into this watch of Rogue One that I knew it wasn't going to be kind of as high as I might have valued it in the past. I still really enjoyed the movie, but I just, I've got um, some different opinions on kind of its ranking now. Hmm. That's going to be interesting. What about you, Daniel? Um, This is... This is probably, I mean, it's, it's not that it's going to rub you guys the wrong way, but out of the two anthology films, this one was my favorite one over Solo um, for different reasons um, that we'll get into. But yeah, this one, I love watching this one. Every time I rewatch it, it's just a great watch for me. I have a lot of fun watching it and I just really relate to the characters some more than others, but Overall, I, I it's it's a fun ride every time. Yeah, and for for me, so like like I've always been doing every episode. I say, okay, where does this movie rank officially? 
for me, this one was right behind Solo. Okay. This is still a film that is a fun adventure. So this one, so so the way it goes is obviously the original trilogy, then Revenge of the Sith, Solo, and coming in at number six is Rogue One mm. for me. Just because I, even, even though we don't get a lot of time with these characters and for the majority of them, this is the only time they really appear in terms of film. I still really was invested in their story till the very end. Mm. Yeah. And so I, I just really, really enjoyed the ability for me to just be able to, to watch these characters develop and grow in a very short amount of time to when they die, I feel something. Mm. But that's just me personally, mm-hmm. because I know a lot of people don't feel that way with this film. They, they, they probably say, well, we didn't get enough time with them to really dive into it, to really feel the effect of their death. For me, I don't need three movies to feel to have a feeling for a character and have a, a response to a character when something happens. Yeah, I, I would agree that there's something special about this movie that although we don't necessarily get to see a whole lot about each of these characters, they're they're very strongly portrayed so that whenever their time does come to like pass away, um, they're like giving themselves for this cause and it, it is emotional. And I, and I think this, I don't know exactly how this movie manages to do it, but it, it manages to build emotional connections, not just with the individual characters, but with like the, the different things that go on in it very well, like the different events. Yeah. Um, when you talk about, um, in general, where, how you feel about the characters whenever you watch it. I agree. Uh, I, I did not need three movies to be invested into what the characters were doing. I felt like the way the story played out, you got to learn about each of these, especially uh, our main characters. You get to learn a lot about them and their past, their history, their motives, why they do what they do. And ultimately, their growth, even if we don't get to spend as much time as we do with other characters in in the Star Wars universe, but it's enough time to where, you know, the movie was done to where you could see the growth and you can see, you know, that that change, that difference from beginning to end. Yeah, no, I agree. And especially with amazing talent really mm-hmm. in terms of who played these roles so very good i mean casting. you obviously had um, a very very good casting you know diego luna comes to mind and the only reason why he, he comes to mind like initially is because of especially because we're in anticipation of his own like the andor series and if you haven't seen like the teaser or like them kind of talking about, okay, what does it mean to create this? The passion that Diego Luna has for Cassian Andor is like, mm. it, like I wasn't, it wasn't the thing that I was most excited about and it's still not, but seeing that clip of him just talking about coming back to this character, mm. ooh, just made me want to want this series even more. Right. Like, 
like that just said to me, okay, I'm on board with this project. I'm ready to see what this story is. Um, You have someone like Felicity Jones as uh, Jen Erso. She's fantastic. Yeah. She's yeah. awesome. Knocked She's amazing. And Donnie um, because as truth. Yes. Yep. Yes. He's also really great. But but that scene. Ah, we'll, we'll save it. We'll save it. And but and um, of course Ben Mendelsohn as director Krennic. Yes. Oh yeah. Awesome. He's great. You have Forrest Whitaker also. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. He's in here. Honestly, that's An probably one of the biggest one. names. Star yeah. Wars movies has ever had, huh? Yeah. Well, that, he's an Oscar yeah. winner, right? Oscar winner, I believe so. He was. Yeah. He was. You he was that? famous prior to Star Wars, which I think is apart mm-hmm. from like Alec Guinness and um, the guy who played Tarkin originally. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He did great. Then you have someone like Riz Ahmed. That was what I was going to say. Yeah. The, a very underrated actor. Um. If anyone gets a chance to see his audition tape for this, for this movie, wow. He can he can act and I loved his character. Just even his arc from the beginning when we first meet him to to the end and mm-hmm. but he I guess he was one of the characters that he it really didn't change. It was more amplified as we went on the journey with him. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I would say that too. But since we're we're kind of already going into this and kind of already sharing a, a little bit of of what we enjoyed, Luke, what what are, what are the things? Because I know you said you probably have some things that you may disagree with this film about, or you know may not like necessarily. Before we get to that, what are some things that you actually enjoyed from this movie that you think that this movie does very well? So, let's see. I I think the main kind of thing that this movie adds to the Star Wars universe is that it is out of all of the movies the the one that is truly like war. Like this is a war movie in the Star Wars universe. Mm, yeah. And I think that's a unique feature that is is very interesting. And there's another kind of this running theme of uh, this this search for hope like this movie takes place kind of in this in-between era where there isn't really hope there, uh, or at least not like a a single person to put your a single person or idea to put your hope in like everybody is longing for something to hope in so in, in a way they're hoping for hope uh, this is this was confusing whenever i first thought of it so i bet it's not going to translate very well over the podcast but but <laughs> okay. essentially I, the, what this movie is looking forward to is it's long the rebellion is is kind of is broken is 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 twisted in this period and it's not until you get the hope from the the skywalker siblings that the rebellion really starts to um become concrete and and firm and actually make a difference in the world yeah, um, for me, the the kind of the duality that we're seeing that we see in um, Cassian and Jin, thing things that they both have to get through. Um, Cassian has to go through. 
he has to go through this prison with inside himself, which um, Chirrut Imwe, he kind of alludes to that there's more than one type of prison. And he senses that his he carries his prison wherever he goes. That's what mm. that's what Cassian yeah. has to go through throughout this entire movie, having to kind of think past and kind of talk himself into believing that he's doing the right thing at every moment, even though he's doing things that he doesn't agree with. And Jen, on the other hand, is going through a thing where she wants to be apathetic. She doesn't care what's going on in this war. She just wants to be left alone. Um, but then she ends up having to embrace what her father did, which was sacrifice for the rebellion, teaching her what she now has to do. And that kind of changes everything for her in that moment. Yeah, no, absolutely. And Luke, just kind of, kind of going back to, you know, what you're talking about, the rebellion at this point seems as if it's kind of coming apart, mm-hmm. like a little bit. Uh, yep. It's struggling to stay together, which you you definitely get that sense in a new hope that this is it. This is make or break. Mm-hmm. This is we need to do this in order for us to even to live to the next day. Not even victory, but for us to get to the next day, yeah. we need to blow up the Death Star or whatnot. Right. So, and, and you feel that also in in this sense, like they're trying something dangerous. I mean, it's not the uh, the initial. You know, the mission is to find Galen Erso. Right. You know, that's that's the mission that they're given. But it becomes more than that later on in the film. Of yeah. We have to go to Scarif. We have to get the plans. We have to blow up this Death Star. Right. Because that's what Stardust was all about. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the things that I really enjoyed was the tension between Tarkin and Krennic. Yeah. Yes. Everything about their story just was so good. And probably because when you watch the Clone Wars, even though like Tarkin was serving the Republic, you just had to hate his gut sometimes. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sure the Jedi did. I'm sure they did. Because uh, he was always in the way, but always having the backing of the chancellor Mm -hmm. who became the emperor, obviously when they became the galactic empire, but you see the struggle with like Krennic. He wants to be acknowledged for his contributions to the empire. He's a Patriot. He wants to receive the credit that he feels like he, that is due to him. And Tarkin seems to take, take, take. And there's a power struggle between the two throughout this film, which even brings in Darth Vader. Yep. Mm into this be like i want the chancellor to out the chancellor i want the emperor to know that this was my doing yep. we stand in the midst of my achievements not yours. not yours because tarkin tries to take that away from yeah. him um obviously because of you know we find out galen urso is a is a spy he's yeah. a turncoat for the empire um he's the one who sends bodhi yep. who his story in this is amazing and great. And I love seeing him go from a nervous, freaked out pilot to he's so grateful to be with the rebellion at this point. Like this, like, and it, it was it was inspired in him, and he was encouraged by Galen Urso to 
to go out and to find the rebellion, to find a new home. And he, and once he found that, the, his whole demeanor changed. Yeah. The, the bravery, the confidence, the courage to do what he did on Scarif. Like, yeah. uh, to me, that is, that is something that I'm never going to ever forget in this movie. And, and it's really important, kind of Bodhi's role in this movie. I think there's a little bit that it's kind of like goes unspoken in the movie about his role. Because you were talking about how Galen like spoke these words into Bodhi's life and inspired him to do the right thing, basically. Well, what he actually, what Galen actually said, uh, Bodhi's telling the story, and he said, he said I could make it right if I was brave enough to listen to what was in my heart. And during this mm, section, yeah. of course, we see Jen watching because she's talking to Bodhi, but we also see a picture of Cassian watching. And it's like you get to see this picture of him being conflicted about these orders that he has um, to kill Galen. Yeah, for sure. Because of Draven. Is that how you say his yeah. name? Stupid He's the idiot. Mace Windu in this movie. I, I oh my God. Can I say that? No. I, I only say it from this standpoint of like the kind of the old idea that I had of Mace Windu was just the fact that, you know, he messed things up when he didn't need to, right. which I guess I still hold for Mace Windu, but only in one instance, not like in the entirety of the Jedi Order. But here's what I mean by that. Like Draven just made Cassian's job a whole lot tougher than it needed to be. He really did. And I know what he was going for, but I it still it's it still wasn't something that I guess they needed it. They needed to do it. I don't know. I think it's pretty stupid. Yeah, that I he think sent we're the, looking as what it could have been. I think it's pretty stupid that he sent the X wings. Yeah, like, that yes. was just a, a yeah, complete absolutely. tactical error. But at least he made up for it by his sacrifice play at the end on the hammerhead. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. But let's talk about one more thing that I think I really enjoyed from this film. Uh, obviously, this is not like a regular Star Wars film, part of the nine films of the Skywalker saga in that way. So the music was not done by John Williams. Right. It was done by Michael Gigliano. Is that how you say his name? Uh, Maybe. I don't know. Michael Giacino. Yeah. Sorry. It, the music was done by Michael Giacino. Or Giacino. Right? Or Giacino, however you want to say it. But, man, this score worked. This score was good. I really enjoyed it. I, th- I, yeah. I thought... And I think especially I the sweets. Had some... Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's three sweets. There's the Jin Erso slash Hope suite, the Imperial suite, and Guardian of the Wills. And those are just like really easy to just pick up and listen to. Those three are my favorite ones. Um, if I'm gonna pick three tracks, and I think they're the only tracks I listen to when I when I do listen to the score, but those suites by themselves carry the movie, especially just that that theme uh, from Jim Urso suite. That anytime you hear it throughout the movie, it just it, it's breathtaking. It's it's really good. Yeah. Well, even then, you just mentioning it right now, we we cannot talk about our favorite things without talking about the guardian of the wills Mm, yeah guardians of the will sorry um the reason why i say that is because there's one line 
that is mentioned, and Luke, you know this, it's mentioned in Master and Apprentice. Uh, I'm one with the force and the force is with me, mm-hmm. which was, it's kind of the motto of the Guardians of the Wills. But it's also known amongst the Jedi, surprisingly. Yes. Yeah, it is. Um, but let's talk about them and their impact on this on this movie and what, what it really does. So I think one of the things that I like the most about the Guardians of the Wills and their role in this movie, because I obviously they're individually each just awesome. Like they're really likable characters and they kick butt and they're great for those reasons. But it's also like we see in this period, like I mentioned before, it's like in between. So this is after the destruction of the Jedi. And so there's, there's no hope. And so there's no real understanding of the force apart from like this force mysticism that you see kind of with um, Jen's mom telling uh, yep. her to just trust in her, trust in the force. Th- those are the last words mm-hmm. that Lyra says to Jen. And then you have, mm-hmm. uh, you have of course, Chirut, who is still a believer in the force, and says a very interesting line that I think I think we can accept as being kind of completely true. As uh, he says, "All is as the force wills it," and so. This is a very strong view mm-hmm. of the Force's role, um, and and he's kind of our, he's the Force mystic in this movie. So I think we can trust that he that he's right because the Force does support him and the rebellion. Yeah, um, especially that point that you made about Chirrut and um, no, uh, Lyra, Lyra Urso. Um, they were force sensitive, yes, but they weren't to they weren't force sensitive enough to become Jedi. But you can still see their faith in the force and how that little bit kinda helps them in the long run. Um, her able to believe it and to inspire Jin. Because that's what Jin remembers. Because of how I view that beginning scene with Lyra when she's, you know, giving her Kyber crystal to Jin, Jin remembers and we see it in a flashback. She says, trust in the force, you know, and that planted it kind of a little seed that Jin kind of carries with her and even Chirrut, you know, him taking that mantra of uh, I'm I'm with the force and the force is with me. You see how even if you're a little bit of force sensitive, what that can do. Mm-hmm. And I think that was really amazing to see. And especially them being on Jedi and even though him not being a Jedi, being a guardian of the Kyber temple. That's 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 pretty huge, um, at, at least in my opinion. When when you're talking about someone who's not really force sensitive, but doing their duty, and he says, you know, you guys just said it. Um, all is as the will, as the force wills it, and so he he lives by that. Yeah, and I think what I really enjoyed from it was Baze's like conversion mm-hmm. into believing that, right? Because he initially was just like, you're talking nonsense, like. There are no more Jedi. Yeah. Uh, and none except this fool. Yeah. And at the end of it, he's the one who's saying the line, you know, after his friend's death. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and 
just that whole just that whole sequence of or that whole storyline of Bay's coming from unbelief to belief right. to the end of his life. Yeah. Like just seeing that all carry place, man, it was, I think it was really beautifully done. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and it follows the pattern of the kind of the whole movie because at the beginning there is no hope, but by the end of it, there hope is the, the key factor and the reason why all these people are willing to put their lives down for the cause. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we, we see that hope, but then we're quickly reminded that there's, there is still another, there's still a whole nother story to be told because just when they believe that they've done it, they've achieved their ultimate goal, which was to receive the death star plans mm-hmm who shows up in an amazing fashion at the end to kind of clean up Tarkin the yes <laughs> kinda but we see Darth Vader in that scene in the hallway scene mm-hmm. Skywalkers love their hallways they really do they really do but Luke what like that's a isn't that like when you saw it initially, and even in the rewatch, that that was an awesome moment, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think top something. I don't know. I should I should make a list of what I think are the top moments in Star Wars because um, mm, I think that that's be. I think that's less yeah. done. A lot of people do like their top movies, but mm-hmm. I, I would be willing to put that at. At least top 15, if not top 10. Yeah, I think that's probably a good... Like, I think roughly, since we've... I mean, we really haven't thought about that and mm-hmm. haven't really made a list. I think that's a safe bet of where to put it because it was a really powerful scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think we were expecting that. Because I we all expected mm-hmm. to see Darth Vader in the movie, but more of what he was doing when he was talking to Krennic. You know, just... Just hey, let's put Darth Vader on screen. You know, let's give him some airtime and let's draw people into the seats. But no one was expecting him to be in that hallway, pull out his lightsaber, and just go ham right on these rebels in the fashion that he was. Because I think the most interesting part of that hallway scene is the fact that we we never got to see. Well, I'm gonna take that back because I'm 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 viewing it as. We were like in the middle in the in terms of we were halfway between Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope, even though mm-hmm. we're right by A New Hope. Yeah. But, but even then, even in Empire, we saw him go like total beast mode, right? Yeah. But it, not to this degree to where he was like levitating guys, pinning them against the wall, catching blaster bullets, throwing it back at him. Yeah. You know, the guys in the roof, he slices him in half while he's stuck there. We never saw that in, in Empire. But, you know, that's that's what made that scene worth it. We got to see him more because we have the technology now to do that, to to kind of complete that picture that we always envision Vader to be. And that scene really, really sells that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's really important, like some of the things that we do see Vader do. Like with uh, catching the blaster bolt and sending it back, because I think a lot of people 
were concerned with because the sequels have access to so much more special effects like there's a concern that they're making the sequel villains more like more powerful than vader or palpatine Mm. but whenever we see vader do the same exact thing that kylo does in force awakens then it kind of shows that no they're they're both powerful um Mm -hmm. yeah but that kind of leads me to another point about this movie and that i think this movie is really a love letter to i think all of star wars at least all of star wars that was released Mm. at the time uh because and and i started this off by saying i I really want to say okay this this movie is really a love letter to a new hope okay yes but this movie is really a love letter to the rebel series which it is because you see a lot of reference to the rebel series Saul Guerrero is the very first character to begin as an animated character and enter into a live action film. Uh, and then we hear General Sindula in the background uh, while yeah. they're on Yavin. Yeah. Uh, as well as a few other references. Uh, Powell uses the word Carabast, which is. Uh, oh, what's his name? The, uh, one of the guys from Rebels' favorite curse word. Uh, and so there's a lot of references to rebels but really even like with clone wars and all of the original trilogy i think this this movie does tie a lot of elements kind of from all across the the saga and i think that's a really strong point of it even though Mm -hmm. at the same time it's also one of the least kind of force focused or one of the least Jedi focused um, mm-hmm. or, and definitely the least Skywalker focused movie. Um, it still has all these references that is tying it to everything else. Yeah. No, I, I couldn't have said it better than my, uh, myself. So with that being said, we're moving into this territory. What could have been better about this movie? What do you think? Where do you think it, it well, struggles? I want to go first because I'm. I feel like Luke has a lot more than me, mm-hmm. so I want to. I want to go first and then, you know, give my time to to Luke. Mm-hmm. Um, my thing, and I might think of more later, probably when Luke talks, but that the beginning of the movie we were moving so much. We were hopping, we were planet hopping and, you know, we didn't really let the story kind of start. Mm. We kind of had to introduce these characters and it was just too much movement, too fast. So probably streamlining that and having that that opening um, act be a little bit more fluid. Um, I think that would be my only change. Uh, again, I'm going to avoid give my time to Luke to to change my mind and and probably give me something more to think about yeah i think i think that's a good point daniel and honestly that kind of idea is one of the key things that i have with this movie is that so as i mentioned before i think this movie is really good at capturing like the war aspect of star wars unfortunately i think that's kind of like the main thing like there's not a lot of kind of deeper stuff going on it's really just like here's a problem we're going to work to solve it. And there's not a lot of kind of 
undertone to it. And I think part of that is because, like you mentioned, it starts off hopping from place to place. And I think that because of that, we kind of end up with a shallower feel overall. And I don't think that takes away from the movie necessarily. I think it is perfect for what the movie is trying to accomplish. However, I think because of this, because of how shallow it is, I I think people who say that Rogue One is the best Star Wars movie, they're just looking at the wrong things, I think. And, And I don't know how they come to that conclusion that like that that rogue one is either the best Star Wars movie or that it's better than solo uh i do prefer it to solo um and i guess i i I can explain my reasons for that being um in solo even though we got a bunch of new characters anyone who's studied han solo or has read up on han solo Basically, Solo was just a checklist off of everything that we know about him. And for me, that's fine. But I'm all, but I'm going to give the nod to new characters, a new storyline, and learning about new things that I didn't know before. Um, and I think that's the only reason why I would put it above Solo. I do enjoy Solo a lot. Um, I love, I mean, I, I listened to your guys' podcast this afternoon. Um, about it and yeah that just Kira's story where that's gonna go what so solo had has a lot of material left in it that you can go and and keep building upon I think that's what that's why I kind of rank it low because I feel like it's still missing that finish that I believe that it deserves uh get uh solo 2 trending because yeah it deserves a sequel and a third mm-hmm. movie but the reason why I would put Rogue One above it is just my preference of new over a checklist. And that would be my only thing. Well, and I guess my response to that, someone who puts Solo over Rogue One, is the fact that Rogue One has a checklist too. It's smaller, but it has a right. checklist of okay, getting the Death Star plans, right. um, getting that accomplished and doing it. And, and I guess my critique of Rogue One, as much as I enjoy it and I think it I, you know, obviously I think it's really good because I placed it number six on my list of 11 Star Wars films, um, is I think what it, what it misses is just something that is iconic in terms of, I'm trying to figure out where, like where I want to put it in, but I guess something like. No, I am your father or order 66 something to where I was able to just look at this and just been like, that is the moment in this movie. Mm. I never felt that. I never had that moment to where I said, man, this is, this is what rogue one is. This is the significant moment in this movie. I never felt that because I think while Vader scene was cool, yeah, that's not the moment. I don't think that's the moment of the movie. And for me, it's kind of hard to find one. Yeah, there's baby moments, but not that big one moment where it's go time. Right. Maybe, I mean, maybe that scene with, but even then, because it's it's more of, 
the scene that I'm thinking about is after Jen exits the council mm-hmm. and she has that talk with uh, Cassian. Yeah. With everyone else kind of there. With everyone kind of there mm-hmm. and him kind of telling telling her, we have to do this. Or with Bodhi Because if we had the all the... Yeah, Rogue yeah, One. Yeah, that too. Yeah. Um, but I'm thinking more of the lines that Cassian was kind of relaying. We've done things that we're not proud of. Mm-hmm. And we can't just let this go because that means everything that we've done, every, every murder we committed, every lie that we've done, everything that we've ever stolen... All of those things yeah, will have right. meant nothing. Mm-hmm. And that is a that is an important scene. It's an important scene, but I don't know if it's that this is it moment, you know? Mm-hmm. It's it's a I'm gonna put that halfway between a moment and the moment. I'm gonna put it halfway. And and here's something yeah. I would like to point out, um, because of the way we're talking about like the moments. I think that this movie is has very good writing especially kind of for dialogue because this movie is extremely quotable <laughs> and and i like that. yes it really is yeah, you're right um but i think i think i think what part of what they were going for and so you can't really blame them if it's what you're going for is is i think they were shooting for more of those many moments like you were talking about daniel because ultimately, yeah, that's more probably. realistic. Yeah. And this this is a yeah. war movie. This is a especially gritty during the, Especially movie. during that time period. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And even... Yeah, I think you summed it up perfectly. Because I was thinking it was just like... Yeah, they gave us a lot of tiny little moments. Yeah. You know, they, they, yeah. they give you characters such as like K2SO, who... When you talk about quotable, you know... Yeah. Like, you're right. I should have just stayed on the ship. Yeah. Or Cassian said I had to. Like, do you know the odds are? Many... You know what the odds are that you'll use that against They're you? They're high. They're high. Very high. They're high. Yeah, very high. And so you have those like little moments, and maybe that's what this movie was uh, was yeah. trying to accomplish. So it didn't have that big moment, but obviously it, it holds an impression, especially when we talk about my favorite scene. But we won't talk about that yet because we'll we'll get yeah, there we'll get as there. we go along. But. I think just kind of wrapping up us kind of talking about, you know, this film. Again, it's not a bad Star Wars movie. No. It's not. But in terms of saying, hey, this is an iconic movie. This is something that changed the game. uh, Has that kind of one moment that, that just places it with the other films like higher up on the list it doesn't really do that but i don't think it's trying to at the same time either like this is a star wars story not something that connects to the i mean it connects to everything at large i mean obviously death star plans all that kind of jazz but it's not the, but it's in, terms, not in the like skywalker saga it's just right, kind of right right extra information it's like histo- it's historical basically yes which it's fitting because we're the Star Wars historians. Right. And so we value it. Like it, it's a valuable piece to this galaxy, this whole mm-hmm. thing as a whole. And I think if we look at this movie, and listeners, if you look at Rogue One as that, as a valuable piece of the story, but not something that compares to the to the trilogies, 
this is a fun film for you. Yeah. I think, I think when I, when, and I, I'm also, I disagree with people who think that this is the best star Wars movie to me, the quality, what it brings other than the fact that it fills in that piece that we've been missing for years about how they got the death star plan to what set the events of, of the original trilogy in motion this even with that but what it really did is it kind of i don't know if it changed how movies were made but they they introduced a lot of things like tarkin yes mm-hmm. cgi yeah, cgi they, they made some yeah. bold Th- those moves. types of things yeah they like in terms of filmmaking and cinema that's what they present that's what i think that's what for me what they actually did in, instead of giving us a iconic story like you would say that puts it on with up in the upper echelon of star wars films mm-hmm. just in terms of filmmaking that's where it goes like yeah. how it was made and what methods they used to to do it mm-hmm. but not in terms of story and like and all that really yeah 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 i think that's right Hold on, give me a second, because I gotta scratch my ear. Okay, I'm back. So, as we kind of wrap up our conversation and our discussion, let's just talk about favorite character from this movie. Daniel, would you like to go first? Uh, yeah, I can go first. Mine's a mine's a pretty easy one. Um, Cassie and Andor. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think because I. I I wouldn't say I identify because I'm not, I don't think I could kill people or do bad things for to just to do for the end to justify the means but just in terms of I've been in this fight since I was 6 years old. I and I yeah, like the passion when she spoke and just how he his character carries mm. himself and the arc that he kind of went through on his own in terms of the fact that he was struggling with the orders that he's been given. Yeah. And it makes me and I hope the Andor series goes more into it, but I don't think this was the first time he ever thought about disobeying orders. Oh, I'm sure. I don't I don't Ooh, think that's a good point. I don't think it was the first time he's been struggling with the orders that he's been given and actually having to carry out. But I think over time it kind of it weighed on weighed on him even more. When in reality what it probably should do is should numb you to that fact. Mm-hmm. But what it did, it actually made him question a lot more. So that way, once, you know, he didn't do it. And then Jin, you know, goes after him. He said, um, he said, I had orders that I disobeyed. Kind of revealing the fact that I made the decision to not to not to do that. To not to kill Galen or so. Yeah. And so. And so when Jin goes like you know you she kind of blames him for her father's death when in reality it was jerk face fault i'm not even going to say his name (laughs) but but but, you speak his name yeah how dare you stand where you stood (laughs) that's a different (laughs) no a different different podcast um, yeah different yeah can we also talk about that fun fact about cash and andor yeah uh so he says that he's been in this fight since he was six years old, but the rebellion hasn't been. Did you do been... the math? What did you say? <laughs> did you do the math? 
Oh, I didn't do the math. I saw this on a different post and then checked up on okay. it afterwards. But the rebellion hasn't been going since he was six years old. But what he was doing and whenever he was six years old was his family was a part of a insurrectionist cell backed by the separatists. And so he was fighting against the Republic yeah. when he was six years old. Are you serious? Yes. Yeah, I do remember that fact, actually. Yeah, he was. Wow. From the, yeah. Wow, that's cool. This is like. I think wow. from the Rogue One comic Ooh. or something. It was like giving Ooh. you background information. I, yeah, and that is even that's even a cool thing because I haven't even thought about that. But I'm gonna I'm gonna say this thought like, how crazy is it then that the Rebel Alliance is not just made up of ex Republic citizens, but also ex Separatists? Yeah, like yeah. those two who originally probably were fighting each other now coming together to fight against the evil galactic empire. Yeah. Like, isn't that just a beautiful thing? Like just when we talk about the grand scope of star Wars and yeah. just the impact evil has and, and on I the galaxy. We shouldn't be too surprised because we do see like people in the Clone yeah. Wars series from the Confederacy who are just like normal people. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you talk about the first time that we're introduced to Death Watch, and you have Padme's like her friend. That's what I'm her thinking friend, too. Her, yeah, I'm yeah, thinking about the, like the senator friend yeah. that she had. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. Bonteri. Yeah, Bonteri. Yeah, yeah, I think is what her name is, and even Lux. Yeah, Lux Bonteri. Yeah, that that whole thing of this carries into that also. So you're talking about like Luke, we we you were just talking about of of just this film doing a good job of connecting everything kind of together and like kind of highlighting this thing. This is something that kind of just flew under the radar. But again, it's something like this film is connected to everything that's mm-hmm. been talked about ever in star Wars or shown in star Wars. That's yeah. why it's really good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's good. Luke, who's your, who's your favorite character? I think I would have to say Chirrut is my favorite character just because I always love the force mystic mm-hmm. and he's just yeah so fun to watch and he's got good dialogue and and like these real kind of like mysterious riddles like uh whenever he tells Jin that oh what is it uh the strongest stars have hearts of kyber uh yeah or Mm, kind of whenever he's asking he's always dropping gems or whenever he's asking Baze if he has the face if Cassian has the face of a killer, does he look like a killer? And Bay says, no, he has the face of a Ooh. friend. And so yeah. he just has a lot of these really significant lines like that. And I love him for it. Yeah. I think. Wait, from, can I, can I say one yeah. thing? Yeah, yeah. He reminds me of the mystics in the old Republic mm. from Voss. Yeah. Because yeah. they can't use a force the way that a Jedi does, but they're able to see things that people can't normally see. And so, I don't know why, but that reminds me of, he reminds me of a mystic. From well, I mean, that's a, yeah. That, that, that you get to meet. I mean, he, I mean, it feels like he could live in that society and he can be a part, of, he can, because when you, when he say, like, he likes the mystic side, you know, of it. And so when you said, yeah. it, I was like, oh, mystics. Yeah. <laughs> yeah i don't know if drew will be able to see into the future but he's definitely a mystic he's definitely yeah whoop, yeah like yeah more than more in tune with the force than your average force sensitive even if he isn't a jedi yeah 
Yeah. I think f- for me, my favorite character, even though he wasn't in it that much, was Galen Erso. Yeah. Like the story was was started because of him. Mm-hmm. He was the guy who was kind of a cursed man because he was such a genius. And his genius was known so much that the Empire really, really wanted him, even after he quit. Yeah. And after he said, hey, I've had enough. I'm, I'm tired of this life. I'm going to take my wife and my kid. We're going to be farmers. Mm-hmm. Like, we're just going to get away from it all. He's brought back, loses his wife. That whole, that whole conversation or, like, the message that he sends to that message his, is his stardust. It, a that, that is a tearjerker. And for me, I'm going to go ahead and say it. That's my favorite scene from this film is, is that just because he said, I learned to lie. I had to learn to lie. Now um, I got to pick a different one because that was one of my favorites too. Just because it, it was just so good. And he's so good. And I love the actor Mads, he's gonna be yeah. Grindelwald in. Is he really? Yeah, he is. Oh he's my the, goodness! He, he's yes. the recast for Grindelwald. If and it had to be anyone, I'm glad. Yes, it's him. me. I felt the exact same way, and I just think he does a really beautiful job on really just the subtle details of his acting ability. It just, just the little things. And it, that scene with Felicity Jones just works because she's so in the moment of it. The fact that she gets emotional, she, like the tears are. And you you feel everything in that yeah. scene. You feel the pain that Galen Erso has to go through. He has to live this life a lie in order to lay like the fact that you have that moment, and then he's like the the reactor module. That's the key. That's the place I've laid my trap. Like in this lie, he still gets the job done of of making the death star like not invincible not indestructible mm. but making it a target that can be destroyed that can give hope which is also what he refers to jen as like his stardust like i don't i just really really love his character. I just really love what he, what he did in this film. And so I think he's my favorite character for those reasons. But wow. yeah. What about you? What, it, what, what, what's your favorite scene? So for me, I have to say that the battle of Scarif just like in this entirety is, is just really cool to watch. I, it's one of my favorite mm-hmm. things, but if I had, to, if that's too big of a moment, then a moment within the moment is, the scene where these AT-ATs have appeared and Baze Malbus pulls out this big rocket launcher to try and shoot it, but the yeah. AT-AT basically just shrugs it off. And so there's a moment there where it's like, oh crap, for Baze and all these soldiers. And then like these blaster fi- this blaster fire comes out of nowhere as these X-Wings come shooting in uh, from the atmosphere, from the fleet. Uh, the, the ones that made it past the shield and like this triumph is like a triumphant moment where like all of the soldiers are like whooping and cheering and stuff like that. And honestly, I, like I said before, there's this movie really, there's something about it that really kind of tricks you into having an emotional response to everything. Not tricks, like, cause that sounds kind of negative, 
but like it gets you to have an emotional mm-hmm. response. And so I was like in the, in the shoes of those soldiers. And I was like cheering too, because it was like, yeah, those, <laughs> this triumph of those X-Wings coming in and destroying those AT-ATs, these soldiers yeah. get to live for a few more minutes. That beginning scene with Krennic and Galen um, with Lyra. Mm. It just sets the tone for the movie. Oh, look, Lyra is back and from re- the dead. Yeah, <laughs> like that, like that type of stuff, like that snarky, like arrogant type elitist. Yeah, yeah, that elitist attitude. I loved it. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I'm I'm forgetting what what he said. Um, he's kind of like toying with Galen about you know just just how he views things, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, like that. Like Luke, Luke said, he's like, oh look, it's Lyra back from the dead. It's a miracle, and, <laughs> and and just that that kind of stuff, and just him, like he's like, like he get he like Lear's been dead, and then Krennic is just like, oh, <sighs> my condolences. Yeah, search the house yeah. like that, like that that type of stuff is what because. Yeah. I'm not gonna re- I'm not gonna beat the dead horse because everyone knows what kind of dark side and Sith person I am. Mm. But that type is just the confidence in that they feel like they're on the right side, even though they're not. But they feel that they're on the right side. Yeah. And just again that elitist attitude of you know I'm gonna get whatever I want. Um, but just that whole that's my second favorite scene. Uh, just that beginning. Every time I watch it, I I love I love repeating that dialogue because it's kind of it's one of the funniest and snarkiest openings that i that i've ever seen so So, yeah can i share something from that i observed about the dark side in this movie yeah oh yes please do and i'm thinking about it now because you mentioned uh the beginning with orson and he says something that i thought was really interesting he's talking about like how they were this close and he's talking about this close to finishing off the dark the death star but mm-hmm. that's not what he says. He was. He says we were this close to bringing peace and security to the empire, and it, it got me thinking about. Well, Anakin claimed to have brought peace and security to his new empire in Revenge of the Sith, and so I think, and and, and this idea I think will then cohere really well with what we see of imperial figures like Tarkin or Darth Vader or again later on in this movie but this movie doesn't really emphasize the dark side's isolating kind of uh i guess facet like we see like i pointed out and i think every other episode in the rewatch um Mm -hmm. this Mm -hmm. time there's really this focus on the dark side never has enough there wasn't peace because there wasn't quote unquote peace and justice or security in the, in the empire because the Senate still existed. And as long as Mm -hmm. the Senate existed, then the dark side, then the Sith didn't really have control. The empire really didn't have control. And so they needed, they just needed to have this death star finished. And then once the death star was finished, they could dissolve the Senate like they do in a new hope. Yeah, but even yeah, then, exactly, yeah. after the Senate was dissolved, it wasn't enough because the rebellion just strengthened. And so I think this picture that we see in this movie of the dark side is it's it's 
always hungry and is always trying to get more power. It's always trying to get more recognition, always trying to get that one last thing. And that one last thing never satisfies. Oh, yeah, that's really good. But I think that's going to do our time here talking about Rogue One. Guys, thank you so much for joining us as we talked about Rogue One. A great film, great movie. It was awesome. Amazing time. Daniel, thank you for joining us, the Star Wars historians. And I think at this point, I mean, he has to be in, like included when we talk about, you know, one of the one of the main people on this podcast oh, who's yeah. really helped us kind of dive into the Star Wars universe. So we appreciate you coming on every single time. Yeah, I didn't know that doing podcasts like this because when when I'm because I since you moved away and uh you know you got married and I haven't really had anyone to talk Star Wars with, you know, and dad's not really into lore that much. And I'm not really that much into lore either, but this is like one of the opportunities I get to kind of pour out everything that I'm learning and mm-hmm. everything that I'm thinking about. Yeah. And actually saying these things out loud kind of makes me like, wow, I kind of, I, I guess I, you know, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm pretty good at this. <laughs> and so, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it's, it's always fun to talk, talk with you guys. And anytime, you know, we get to talk star Wars, you know, we, we have good conversation and, you know, we learn some things and learn some new perspectives on the universe that we love. So, yeah, absolutely. Well, that was Daniel Gonzalez for yep. Luke Fournay. This is David Gonzalez here with the Star Wars Historians on the Gazebo Effect podcast. Until next time, may the force be with you.